Hello there, I'm Stinky Jim, and today on Long Player, we're going to talk about my new record, Spatial Awareness. Congrats on the release of Spatial Awareness. Talk me through how long you've been working on this record. Uh, I guess in a lot of ways it started um, pretty much straight after the last album came out, which was September last year. But there are tracks on there that are seven or eight years old, and there are tracks on there that went on uh, you know, pretty much two or three months before it came out. So, so it's a span, but mainly in the last year, I guess. Two full lengths in the last 12 months. What's keeping you motivated at the moment? I make music for, uh, because it's just the most enjoyable thing and uh, I have tunes in my head that I have to get out and it's really, really good for my mental health, which is a, a big factor. And the motivation is, is writing tunes. So putting them out is actually probably the least interesting part of it for me. And uh, thankfully, I've got a very supportive wife who says, just put that out, sort that one out, you know. Otherwise, they would never get released at all. So the, the motivation is always just chasing tunes and trying to get the tunes out of my head and into other people's. The actual releasing side of it and whatnot, uh, having done years of running a record company, is yeah, perhaps the least attractive part of all. Pretty much every night I, I go down to my studio and, and work on tunes and there's probably two or three hundred uh, sitting there uh, in various states of finishedness with, with the wildness and uh, and complete rubbish as well and so there's a, an enormous amount to go back on but then you know it's uh, like anything it's i think the, the thrill of the chase is always when you're writing something new and you're absolutely infatuated by it the joy of having that loads and loads of old tunes is you can go back and pull something out of a tune and it might that might be the inspiration for something completely different Now that you've got a couple albums under your belt, what are some of the key differences you've noticed about making an album on your own versus the work you've done collaboratively in the past? Well, it's a lot harder, obviously. Uh, if you work with people like Yost Langveld and Angus McNaughton and, and various other people I've been lucky enough to work with, especially those two, uh, you're working with you know really top-notch musicians and engineers who are just another level, and I don't put myself on that level at all. I'm not an engineer or a musician or a producer, apart from in my mind maybe, um, as much as I'm getting these things out, I don't, just don't see myself in, in that way. I just have tunes that I need to get out uh, of my head and <laughs> into, into, the, into the world, I guess. Um, and so I, you know, I do that brutally uh, and basically uh, with the machine, using Native Instruments machine and, and mixing them in Ableton and then I go to Angus who makes them sound a lot better. And it's a very different process. Everything's on you when you work collaboratively, especially with really amazing people, as I've been lucky enough to do. Uh, things just happen spontaneously, and it's brilliant. Well, working by yourself, you don't, can't guarantee that, and you often have to work a lot harder for it. So, so it's a it's a very different process. But I've been I've been blessed, and also a little bit cursed because when you work with really good engineers and musicians, you tend to not be lazy yourself. But when you've got someone who's, who's amazing. You don't need to do all the nuts and bolts. So for me, a lot of this is about moving the nuts and bolts very, very slowly. Like everything, life is pros, pros and cons. Um, but it is really nice to be able to do that and just uh, drop an album when you're ready to do it. And very few people have heard it, and there it is. And 
and uh, I'll move on. Talk to me about your studio setup here in Auckland. Can you break down some of the equipment and gear you've used on the release? Sure. Um, I machine Native Instruments machine is, is my, my sort of a, my writing tool. Um, I use a lot of samples, uh, both overtly and, and sort of subtly as well. I like to think. Um, and machine is very good with samples, so I often start off uh, using machine and a lot of Native Instruments plugins and instruments. Uh, I mix everything in Ableton. Uh, and between there, I always try and have at least one element, if not lots more, out of the box. So uh, I've, I've got a lot of uh, Zen Delay on this album, which is an amazing Ninja Tune put out of Delay, uh, which is quite incredible and uh, very, very distinctive. And that's all over the record. And uh, I use a lot of teenage engineering uh, synths and toys. I really like their, their sort of approach to things. Um, and it's just that sort of thing of not getting stuck in doing everything in the computer and, and making a very inward sounding record, which I think is really easy to do. So I always try to make sure there's other elements for a few old synths and stuff and just uh, sort of bung those in. And, and it's, uh, it's an imperfect science, um, but it seems to come out all right in the end. Because you've had such a long history of digging for new music, is there an era that you lent on for inspiration on Spatial Awareness? What do you find yourself listening to when writing the record? It's, it's tricky. I mean, I, I think I, I always gravitate back to, to reggae and, and dub and the sort of, you know, 80s and 90s, I guess, is, you know, just to me a really vibrant, amazing era. Um, but it's all over. I mean, just like Stinky Grooves, and, and Stinky Grooves is still only a portion of what I listen to as well. Um, you know, I'm just a, a fan of everything good. And so it, how that manifests itself might be in a tiny sample or a, or a tiny motif, musical motif or something like that. Um, and it's, it's I find it very hard to actually articulate how it happens because all the songs occur in different ways. They start off, I mean, one of the songs was inspired by the sound of a rusty gate uh, in the Tongariro National Park that was on a sound library by my, my friend Tim Preble put out and, and I just listened to this gate creaking and thought that just sounds brilliant and, and that becomes a tune so as much as you could talk about a musical style inspiring a song I think a sound uh, or a tone is, is just as, as big a factor for me personally.
The album's been released on Bandcamp only and you've sworn to avoid the mainstream platforms for streaming music. What was the motivation behind this and what do you think are some of the biggest changes to the landscape of releasing music now in comparison to the 90s? Well, it's just a completely different game because we used to release records and, uh, and, and be able to sell them in a variety of formats to people who wanted to buy them and, and now people don't have any uh, need to do that. Some people do and, and God bless those people, each and every one of them, uh, but a lot of people don't and, and I realise full well that I'm costing myself money and um, appreciation I guess and, and audience or, or what have you, but I just feel really strongly that I can't be a party to something that I really disagree with and that's why you know I've been at BFM for 32 years because I believe in the station with your music it's, it's your it's your creation it's your art it's your life and to have it on a platform that really cares nothing for it is, is actively destroying the terrain I just can't be doing it. Let's get into the tracks now, starting with the opening song, Avant Grades. How'd you pick this one out to open the record? The first track on an album, I guess, is, it's a, you know, it's a statement in a way. And I guess if there's a statement to this, the album's called Spatial Awareness. And, and this song, in my head, there's, there's a lot of elements about it, about trying to create space because it has a very busy sort of cussive keyboard line. Um, which I just, I woke up one morning and had that line and the bass line in my head just there and had to pretty much run down to the studio and, and get them out and they are pretty much what ended up being the song. And the, the keyboard line especially was quite busy and so it was, it was like trying to work out how to bring in elements of space into the song was my sort of, my, my mind frame of that. And it was written around the time that Lee Perry died and it, it was by no means uh, anything like trying to pay tribute to him because why would you do that but I've been listening to loads and loads of Lee Perry because I've done a special for BFM and then I've done another one for my subscribers on Mixcloud so I've been really had my head stuck in Lee Perry productions and uh, there are elements in there that are maybe a sort of doff of the cap uh, to the scratch.
the Egg was written uh, earlier this year during the, the time when there seemed to be a sort of anti-science uh, sentiment and uh, people I knew were going down the wormhole and I just had sort of was very frustrated by uh, the previously rational people turning irrational uh, and the fact that literally people were being anti-science and it made me just think about about these people were virtually saying you know, we're nuts, we're crazy we're, we're not going to believe that, that 2 plus 2 equals 4 we decided it means it, it, 7 or something like that and that was the entire inspiration of the songs that, that you know, nutters uh, in Wellington making a nuisance of themselves with, with very little grounds and, uh, and some really stupid ideas and it just made me think about the stupidness that goes on and so that is the, you know, the we're all crazy and uh, I guess the other vocal snatches in the song just saying, you know, try and get your head in a decent state because uh, this, is, this is not good mental health, thinking these things and acting this way. Fish was one of the singles for the album and features the incredible Nazamba. Can you run me through how you linked up with them? Well, Nazamba is a, a vocalist who um, sadly passed away on the start of July, um, who's been coming up over the last four or five years, uh, especially with a, a, an outfit in France called OBF, who've done some amazing tracks with him, and The Bug has, has done work with him. Uh, and he's just got, you know, he had something completely different going on to anyone else in Jamaica. I and mean, you've got people like Mutu uh and what have you, you know, Jamaican dub poets from time. But, but Nazamba just had this incredible tone and delivery and really intelligent lyrics. Um, yeah, Nazamba has just blown me away over the last few years. And so I bailed him up. Uh, Dubhead actually sorted me out 
with getting his email address and and bailed him up and and uh, we had a good chat and then he just said I, I really want to do this because I want to do something for New Zealand and it was really nice like lovely sort of thing and um, you know he loved the rhythm uh, which I step is great rhythm which I've, I've done and vocal of that with Asterix before a few years it's, it's about seven or eight years old but he loved that and then he, he came back to me and said I've written something really different Jim because most of his tunes are quite militant and and uh, and he'd written this beautiful love song. And um, it was quite funny, before he did the demo, and I just said to him, you know, I've just got to say, I know your lyrics are always good, but I can't have anything homophobic, and I can't have anything disrespecting women, and I can't have anything that's uh, that's sort of um, on the anti-vax tip, because uh, these are things that, and I had to run through, and it was quite a list of things that I can't, I can't deal with those things personally, and uh, I can't have that represented, so let's not waste time. And, and he was like, okay, okay, cool. And then when the, the song came back and he had the line in there about, uh, I do my own research and then a big laugh. And that was him sort of uh, giving me a nudge, taking the mickey out of me, saying to him, I can't have this, that and the other in the lyrics because uh, I can't stand by those things. And he came back with just this beautiful love song, which is original and wonderful and just blew me away. And then sadly, the, the actual day when I sent him the the final master he'd heard, heard our demo that we'd done at this end and, and he loved it but I hadn't sent him the final master the I sent him the final master was the day he passed away from a heart attack and uh, it's just very very sad and we've lost a really amazing artist who's going to go on to do great things Everything is crisp, copper, yeah, everything nice. 
Last year, late last year. I mean, it starts off as far as lyrically or vocally it goes. Started off 30 something years ago when I first came to New Zealand, or possibly Australia before, because I was in Australia for a year before I came to New Zealand. And I heard someone call a pickup a Ute, and the first thing I thought of was Barrington Lee by singing Ute Man, and uh, it just tickled me. And I've never lost that. So whenever anyone says Ute, I always just think Ute Man, and that's been going on for 30 years. So I finally got that one out of my head, which is good. But musically, the, I, I had this bizarre idea of, um, <laughs> of a sort of road song um, with a stepper's beat, but the, a stepper's beat and a, and a bossa nova beat sort of intermingled, as it were, or morphing in, in my, my weird way of looking at things, uh, just because it's such a driving beat. And also almost like a, I don't know, it's my, my attempt to do a, a New Zealand autobahn without trying to rip off craftwork or be craftwork, but that's just sort of, sort of that lovely feel that autobahn has of these beautiful arpeggiating like, synths that just float out and stuff like that. But my, my take on that, I guess. And then the, because of the ute tax and because of the fact that we are living in a climate emergency and people are arguing about absolutely, you know, the house is on fire and they're arguing over which pair of shoes they're going to wear to walk out the door, run out the door burning. 
Um, so the whole thing with the, you know, first off, there's this idea of, of, of Ute Man and the Jamaica, the sort of patois punnery of Jamaican saying Ute and Ute being used as a pickup here and, and what that can mean. But then because of Ute tax and all that, I just wanted to sort of do something that drew attention to the fact that this entire petrol addiction is, uh, is going to kill us all very, very soon.
So Den Bow beat is um, a uh, it's the reggaeton beat basically. It is the beat that in, inhabits reggaeton. And it was originally a Dembo is a song by Shabaranks, which was recorded by Bobby Digital, and the version of that has the beat that became the Dembo beat, and it is the the most you know popular, widely used rhythm in contemporary Latin American music, and it is the basis of pretty much all reggaeton, uh, and it came out of you know Bobby Digital Studio in Kingston, Jamaica, and it's just one of those you know one of those beats that in, inhabits everything because it is so prevalent in latin music it just turns up everywhere and, and i've written a lot of tunes with the dembo beats that i've never put out because to me it's almost like a, you know it's like king tubby's flying cymbals it's like these these musical lineages of, of important percussive factors if you're going to do it you've got to do it right and um owner face just uh, sort of popped up just around christmas last year when things were quiet and there's that lovely energy all over Auckland and, and everything quietens down, it was one of those tunes that was sort of done and dusted in two days really. It just yeah, popped out, a wonderful little thing. Especially workings I do predominantly instrumentally. Um, if you're putting it to, when you're putting it together, it's a lot of different factors go into it, and it's a, of course a, you know it's a juggle, um, and you sort of tend to find the, 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 the 
I guess, the outline of how you want it to be and then try and, and shade in or colour in. And I did that and I thought I was happy with the album and then I decided that uh, actually one track, which was a, another track's uh, sort of a sister tune to Ono Face, uh, wasn't going to go on there. And I actually then took off another track and, and you know, sort of suddenly the whole shape had changed. And, and so it needed... It, to me, it needed an ending. Like you've got to have, if, you've got to have a start and an end, right? It's the most important thing. And so I went back to San Gestures was written a couple of years ago, the original version of it. And I went back and I was just listening through to a whole load of old tunes, and there was just one little section, like an eight-bar section in there. That I just thought that is dynamite. The rest of the song's all right, but that little bit. And so I just took that eight-bar section and, and built an entirely new song out of it, uh, which. At far exceeds the original version and it all again happened very very quickly in the space of you know uh, probably five or six sessions 